Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Kinks and Beatles Daily Deep Dive. This is episode 228. I am your host, Tony Fry. Thank you for joining me. This is a rare afternoon recording of it if you're watching on the live stream right now. So, it's a bit of a gamble. And I'm mixing the times up a little bit so that more people have a chance to to watch and I'll figure out what time gets the most audience and that's kind of when we'll stick to it. These afternoon ones are a gamble though because baby Harrison is asleep in his nap right now. I'm home alone with him so this could go south real quick if I happen to wake him up uh, and have to go take care of that. But we'll give it a try. Today we're talking about the song Brother by the Kinks. The song was released February 12, 1977 as the fourth track of the Sleepwalker album. Dave Davies referred to this song as an exceptional song about unity and brotherhood. It is very beautiful. And he was right. Or is right. I'm sure that's still his opinion. Uh, great song. I love this song. It's, it's a highlight on this album. An album that's already got a fair amount of highlights because it's a solid album. Recording of this song began in the first week of July 1976 and then shortly after these sessions the AC breaks at Conk Studios so the band has to take a break from recording for a bit while that AC is repaired because this is July it's hot. Um, During this break though Clive Davis who is the president of uh, Arista Records at this point he hears the song Brother and insist that it should be a single. He hears this as being um, in the style of Bridge Over Troubled Water, which he had produced for Simon and Garfunkel. And if you're not hip to who Clive Davis is, you need to go check out his resume. The the dude knew how to uh, pick a hit. He's an exceptional track record. So on August 13th, the band uh, attempts to um, put some of Clive's advice to tape by extending the ending on his request and adding some strings. And the Sleepwalker sessions mark the first time that John Gosling is using a Roland string synthesizer with the band. And that fills out the sound, but it also probably contributes a little bit to the somewhat dated feel of this album. Because in 76, these synth strings um, weren't really the level that synth strings are you know, in... 2022 when we're when we're listening back to it ultimately the band edits the song adds the extended ending and the strings um, but they still don't release the track as a single which I think is crazy Um, I would have picked this one over jukebox music which is the second single off of this album I mean it's not uncommon you open your first singles the rocker your second singles the ballad or whatever Um, this, I think, could have been a good uh, uh, single. But as great as Clive Davis is, I think he was a little mistaken about this track. In his opinion, Brother could have been a hit like Bridge Over Troubled Water. But Bridge Troubled Over Troubled Water doesn't go on for five and a half minutes, I don't think. Um, I think the song goes on too long for radio, especially for the period of the 1970s, in if this period in the 1970s. The song has a natural endpoint <clears throat> at around 3 minutes and 20 seconds. And maybe this is where the song originally ended. I don't know. You know, this could have been where they tacked on the extra bit, but kicking the band off for a refrain that simply repeats the lyrics we've already heard actually takes some of the power out of the song in my opinion. 
right? Because we have this natural place for the song to end. They're basically going da dun 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 right and then back into the song you have this natural end point why would you go back to the beginning of the song for a single if i were recording this with the intent of it being a single i would have ended the song with one more chorus at the 320 point all right so we still have that kind of da 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 and then one more time but instead of going into the slow part, the world's going crazy and nobody gives, right? Instead of going into that part, go into the brother chorus and fly over that dual guitar part that is being played on the electric guitars and underscore the chorus with it. All right. So now you don't just have a chorus, but you have this big chorus. You've got the synthesized strings. You've got these dual electric guitars doing this really cool. I love, I assume that's all Dave. Uh, I love that guitar work uh, underneath the coda of this song. But fly it in to this last chorus. It's all the same chord progression. Uh, and make that last, make this coda the last chorus and the biggest chorus of the song. This would have probably taken the song to close to four minutes, which is still a minute and a half shorter than its release version. So that's, I would say, an improvement. And four minutes is a lot more likely to get airplay for a slow song than five and a half minutes on the radio. And you end with this great, powerful chorus. I think that would have been a hit. Um, I mean, we'll never know if the song would have been a hit because they never released it at all. But I think with those edits, it would have been a very, very radio-friendly song at that point. Uh, maybe I'll make my own edit to see if it would have actually worked. It'd be easy to do. Where I do agree with Clive is that this could have made a great single. I mean, there's a fantastic song here. Um, but it really, a lot of this album would have made good singles. This is maybe... I'm trying to think because I hadn't pre-planned this thought, but I can't really think of another album before Sleepwalker that was so packed with obvious singles. Um, Lola had a couple tunes, a couple more tunes that could have been singles, but that one was very dependent on the concept album. Uh, this this album is packed with singles. And I, and I say singles as radio-friendly songs because singles don't necessarily mean the best songs on the album. They're just the songs most likely to be hits because we all know there are album tracks that will never get played on the radio that are among our favorite tracks, right? Um, but yeah, this, this album's full of them. The chords for this tune are interesting because the verse and the chorus are mostly the same with different melodies and this allows later in the song for both lines to overlap right you get the um the world's going crazy underneath you're my brother right you get those overlap later that only works because the chord progressions are pretty much identical um i will say though that the few places i found chords listed online all of them are wrong I mean, not even close. So if you're looking for chords online to learn to play this song, I hope you have a good ear. 
Um, I'll throw up the Roman numerals for this one uh, in a second so you can try it. But you have to have a good ear because the, the transcriptions online are awful. Now this analysis that I'm going to do might be a little controversial, as controversial as music theory analysis could possibly be. Um, but even though the song opens on an A major chord, it's an A6 to be exact, which I did not see notated anywhere online. I'm going to actually say the song is written in the key of E. Um, so that makes the verse, these are the chords of the verse. 4, 1, 4, 1, 2, 4, 1, 5, 1, 5, 1. Not a borrowed chord there, right? All these chords belong in the key of C. Um, or the key, of, the key of E, rather. I don't know. There's a C chord later that I'm already anticipating talking about. Um, every transcription I've seen online lists a B minor chord in this song. There's not a B minor chord anywhere in the song. It's a B major chord, and most of the time it's a B7 chord, which is your dominant chord in the key of E and does not exist in the key of A. Right, so a lot of these chords, um, there is some overlap. Right, because I'm saying A is the four chord, E is the one chord in the key of E. If we are interpreting it in the key of A, that's a one chord and a five chord. So you could make the argument that that it's in the key of A because it's going one five one five instead of four one four one. But I reject that argument because all the other chords um, are hard pressed E major diatonic chords. And we have these five sevens with the B. And then also we open with that A6. And when you have that six there, you're adding that F sharp there. The whole um, melody is, uh, the world's going crazy. Nobody gives a damn anymore. The A6 isn't a tonic sounding chord. I mean, maybe if you were ending the song, you're like, but if you're opening on a six chord, it doesn't really give the feeling of a tonic home bass chord. And then the fact that he does that instrumentally, um, basically just him and, and the chord, world's going crazy and nobody gives. Uh, and then when he says damn anymore and the and they go to E, you get that big, you know, there's a bass note and some drums and everything, and he lands on that E chord. So I really think that E is your home. That's your tonic. And uh, these A6 chords on there, uh, he's just starting on the four chord, which isn't uh, isn't crazy common, but it's it's not unconventional and it is part diatonic of the uh, of the scale that we're in. If you're in the live chat right now um, and disagree with me or have any opinion on this at all, make sure to chime in and we'll talk about it um, in a little bit. So, as I said, except when he goes to the, uh, uh, the chorus is pretty much the same chord progression. Except when he gets to the two chord, after he goes uh, four one four one, when he gets to that two chord, he kind of sits on it. Um, instead of going on through the progression. So he's sitting on that F sharp minor. <clears throat> and then he's just moving the bass note down in half steps. 
there's your B7, which is a five chord followed by one. So um, this trick he uses in uh, Waterloo Sunset. And I don't see my friend. Right? We've heard this lick before. Um, here he's doing it. I'm pulling up the lyrics here so I don't screw it up. Um, our friends are leaving, but they seem so far away. Right. So it's just uh, I'm I'm gonna say he's doing a two chord still, and then use those as slash chords. It's an F sharp minor, F sharp minor slash F, F sharp minor slash E. So you could interpret them um, as chords under themselves, but the way it's written, I'm going to say that they're just slash chords. And it makes it easy for you to interpret it if you're just reading it real quick. Then we get to the part that actually surprised me, and it's my favorite part of the course. This is the hook. He's going from an E chord to a C chord. And I would have thought, if you would have asked me before I sat down and figured out these chords, I would have thought that he was going into some like half diminished chord or something. And the C chord kind of functions in that same way. Um, but it's just a plain old major chord. And it does not sound major the way they're using it. But it's a great hook. So we've just done the... Uh, Then we go to one, but we shouldn't feel afraid. That chord right there. That's a great little hook because you've got that G sharp going down to G. You have an E, which is in both chords. You have a B going up to C, right? You got some contrary motion. You've got a sustained note between the chords, so it does function um, different than a major chord would. And the C chord just comes out of nowhere because it's not anywhere in the key, um, or really relatively close as a borrowed key or a borrowed chord. And then we just go one to five. You're my brother. I didn't know you yesterday. It's just a four to one, four to one, four to one. Um, but that's C. That's a great hook. The hook of the song in my in my book. This is a really great song, and I wouldn't change a thing for the album version. All the stuff that I said earlier about all the changes and edits I would have made, that was if I was going to release it as a single. But for the album version, I wouldn't change a thing. I think it's beautifully performed. It's beautifully written. Um... I don't think it goes on too long. It holds my attention the whole time. It's definitely a standout track on the album. It closes side one. So I mentioned in a previous episode that this was the first Kinks uh, album I owned on vinyl uh, because I started in the CD era. So vinyls came secondary. And so, and I actually think I had this on vinyl before I ever owned it on CD. So I know this as a side A closer, and it's a good closer for that. Um, but it's a great song. I wouldn't change any of that. And it shows Ray's strength as a ballad writer, both musically and lyrically. 
You know, he writes beautiful melodies. And I think sometimes that gets forgotten because he gets all this credit for his lyrics. And that's rightfully so. He's a fantastic lyricist, maybe the best lyricist of his generation. But I think it gets lost that he is also just as good at melody. He wrote melodies that hold up against any of the other guys that we we say are the best um, in that respect. And this kind of stuff really highlights it. The band must have liked the track too because they did play it um, pretty heavily in their live set to support the Sleepwalker LP. But they also included it in live sets well into the 80s. As late as 1985, they were playing it, which by rock standards is pretty far removed for an album track to be on a set list. Right? Usually it's like we're going to play the two or three songs from this album that we're promoting and then everything else is hits. But the Kinks, you know, they drug this one out. They brought out some hits too. But they brought this one out, and that's a deep cut by the time 1985 comes around. Um, And I guess an episode of this show would be a waste if I didn't say that I love Mick's drumming on this. I think uh, he has some real tasteful drumming, and he is filling a lot, which you wouldn't expect for a song of this tempo and this kind of vibe. But he does do a lot of fills on there. And then Dave's lead guitar tone um, just perfectly fits this arrangement. It's a really great production overall this is just a really great song um hello to everybody watching live we don't have any live chat that i can see here so i will um remind everybody to follow us on all the social medias go to herohabit.com under the podcast button at the top of the page you can find out all the information you need to know um on where to follow us uh, so that you can stay up to date on when we're doing these live broadcasts and chime in and join us all right of course you can call me 925-494-1739 email me at kinks and beats at herohabit.com and uh today is friday in the real world so we will be um talking to you on monday and i hope you'll join us it's a monday at 9 p.m all right take care of yourself stay safe have a great weekend